welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hi, my name is Annabelle Ma, and I work as the Director of Brand Marketing at JotForm. If you haven't heard already, JotForm is a powerful online forms tool used by 20 million plus individuals worldwide. Uh, we have a variety of products, including forms, apps, tables, PDF editor, etc., and it's really great for workplace productivity. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Remote Work Tribe podcast, Annabelle. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what's the most exciting thing that you are working on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's uh, it's an honor to be here and I'm really excited to chat today. Yeah, so I'd say the most exciting thing is that JotForm is actually going to be at Dreamforce next month. And so um, our brand team is planning a really, really um, good portion of that. So it's been really fun to kind of learn how to plan an event of that size and uh, get into the weeds of that. So that's something that's been really fun for me lately. Awesome. I love to hear that. Given how massive Dreamforce is, are there things that from a brand comms perspective that you're doing that maybe you haven't done before at, let's say, a more small to mid-sized event? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I'd say for us, you know, usually uh, the brand team will kind of oversee the smaller events and, you know, we'll get, you know, buy-in here and there. But for Dreamforce, it is such like a, a massive thing. So we have a lot of different teams looped in. It's much more of a collaborative effort to make sure that the messaging is on point. Um, and, and we won't actually be talking about the JotForm product so much, but we are kind of launching something new that I can't really talk about, which is probably kind of obvious if you know about Dreamforce. And so it'll be really interesting to kind of learn how to how to message that correctly and, you know, make sure that we can make as big of impact as possible. But, you know, there are tons of other sponsors there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of noise. So we still are kind of working on the strategy um, for us and what will make us really stick out and get a lot of people to come to our booth. Absolutely. And this kind of brings me to another question um, that is really similar to this, which is how have your like given the fact of like, you know, the signal to noise ratio is going so much higher, especially online, how, what's, how have your views on like brand communication kind of evolved to kind of break through some of that noise? Yeah. I mean, it, it's so tough because there's not a cookie cutter answer. There's not like a one size fits all solution for, you know, cutting through the noise, but I think at the end of the day, it's really making as best of a connection as you can with people. I think nowadays, you know, individuals, consumers, you know, they're not really receptive to just straight up ads. Like if you're on TikTok, for example, and like you see a sponsored ad, like most of the time you're just going to scroll through. You're not going to actually, you know, see what the video is. So I think it's, you know, coming up with like content with marketing that is really relatable to people. That's not too spammy. That's touching on a pain point. And, and that type of content takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more creativity. And so I think just like brand marketing these days is a lot more creative. It's it's a lot more video and it's less addy, if that, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely does. Do you have an example of something that you, maybe you guys have done that may be something you've worked on recently? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I'd say actually what where we do this really well at JotForm is with our videos. So with the launch videos, the team will kind of 
um, they'll, they'll do a sort of like skits to talk about different product launches and they're really funny. So like we take a very, like a very like silly approach to these. And so, you know, we're launching this huge product. It's like a really big deal for us internally, but the videos are just kind of silly. They're relatable, but then we also kind of like lightly mention the product here and there. And I, I think those work really well. Like whenever we've promoted those videos, They've always been, you know, really popular and people have been really receptive to them. And one of them even, it was kind of like an April Fool's joke thing that we did. And um, we won like a, a product hunt award for that video too. So I think like when, when I've seen us be a little bit more silly and relatable with our marketing, um, it's, it's had a, a really good return for us. Yeah, absolutely. And congrats on the product hunt award. Thank you so much. Shifting gears just a little bit, can you maybe talk a little bit about how the marketing team is structured at Dropform? Yes, absolutely. So our marketing team in the U.S. is um, structured with our VP of marketing at the top, and then we have a few different sub teams. So we have uh, brand, which is my team, um, video, content, uh, PR and enterprise marketing. I think that's everyone. Um, we just restructured a little bit earlier this year, so I could be missing one, but I think that's everyone. And, and yeah, all of us, you know, work on, uh, we work very collaboratively together, especially on product launches. And it's really nice to have, you know, a mid-sized marketing team because it's, it, you can see like how much people get done with the launches, like how much output there is from everyone. And it's, it's really awesome. Awesome. And can you talk a little bit about how communication flows internally within kind of your marketing team and going back to maybe like even like 2020 with COVID and then since then, like how has that evolved with like remote and hybrid yeah, and that nature? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say for us, communication is really good now. So the way that the teams are, so the brand team is actually the only remote like sub team of the marketing team. And then everyone else is on a hybrid model. So I'd say the communication from that standpoint, like may sound a little tricky, but it's actually quite easy, um, mostly because a lot of our meetings are still on Zoom. And so like from the remote side of things, like we don't feel like left out or anything because we're always constantly, you know, communicating with people over Slack and Discord. And then when we need to meet, we go hop on a Zoom and um, I think it works pretty well. And then, um, you know, 2020 COVID, you know, I'd say that we actually kind of continue doing a lot of meetings on Zoom um, just because it worked better for people. So I don't really know that it's changed like all too much from 2020 to now, maybe just in that, like some people are going back to the office in a hybrid model. But I think that COVID actually taught us that we can do a lot of meetings online. We can be really productive working from home and, um, you know, using Slack and Zoom was like enough for us to not only be good at our jobs, but excel at them. Absolutely. Um, do you think the fact that like Chatform has always been a hybrid company, given the fact that you've had kind of like multiple big offices, even before COVID made it a little bit easier to kind of evolve your communication style and make sure and collaboration style and make sure everyone was always on the same page? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And I, I think also just the fact that, you know, there are so the way that the company is structured, we have our marketing team in mostly San Francisco and California, and then we have a big chunk of teammates over in Turkey. And then we do have some other like teams like the sales and support teams that are remote. But I think the fact that the marketing team is, you know, it's it's a it's a mid size, but it's, um, you know, still like not 
it's still small enough to where it's easy for us to like implement changes. I think that was also in our favor too. Cause I think if we had a team of like 50 or hundred say, or more, I think that'd be way harder to kind of get people on the same page and figure out which communication worked for different people. But since our team was still a good size, like, I feel like it was just so easy for us to just get, get up on zoom and, and kind of, um, kind of work with what was happening with COVID. Absolutely. And you mentioned something kind of going back to what you said a few minutes ago, where like kind of the brand marketing team that you lead is the one that is remote. What's your general kind of approach to remote work? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> um, my general approach, I guess, is that that kind of like my like my management style or how I like to work remote or just so I can be more specific with the answer? Um, a little bit of everything. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So I guess my, my management style with working remote. So, um, my old team, the communications team had a team of five and we were hybrid. So that was a little bit different in the way that I managed and met with teammates. Um, now on the brand team, I have one teammate who is our social media manager and he is on the East coast that kind of adds in like another layer of, you know, scheduling. So we pretty much have like five ish hours a day where we overlap. And so for us, we have two meetings a week where we check in. So we have a meeting with our boss, uh, the VP of marketing on Monday, just to ensure that everything we're doing is going well, it's on point, et cetera. And then we have a one-on-one scheduled on Friday where we can just kind of look at the week, recap, you know, whatever we need to talk about. Um, but for us too, like, because stuff comes up during the day and we don't have, you know, the in-person touch point, like we're always, we kind of have just like an open communication flow where if one of us wants to talk on the phone, like we don't need to schedule a meeting. It's not a big deal. We just send each other a Slack call and we chat real quick. So, um, I think with one teammate, it's, it's been relatively easy to do that. But, you know, I think like when we were in COVID and there were, when everyone was working from home, like what really helped was just having scheduled check-ins and, and, it, and doing them at least like every other day, um, if not every day, just to ensure that like everyone was good, um, that things are moving along smoothly. And then once people get used to working remote, then it's, you can kind of like back off on the meetings, um, you know, and do whatever makes sense. And then um, for me, like as, as being a fully remote worker, I absolutely love it. I, I believe that I'm way more productive working from home. Um, but yeah, I usually will, um, you know, work from like nine to five. And then um, something that's really important for me is to take a lunch break and to do something that's not at my desk. Um, I know a lot of people do that, like working from the office too, but being at home, I just feel like work can kind of suck you in and like, you'll find that you've been at your desk all day and like have barely even gotten up. So that's been something too, is just to make sure to take breaks, like get up from the computer um, and also try to maintain the schedule too because it's really important to, um, you know, make sure that you have a schedule so that it doesn't all feel like it, like each day is blending in. Just a few things there. <laughs> I love it. Um, I have like so many follow-up questions to what you just shared there. Starting with, do you have like a general structure for how you like to do your one-on-ones with your social media manager? Um, or is it more kind of impromptu? And or how's that evolved like, you know, recently? Yeah, absolutely. So him and I have been working together now for a couple of years. So I'd say at this point, they are a bit more casual. Um, We do have an agenda doc for each meeting just to, you know, where we can throw anything in during the week that we want to chat about. And that's really helpful, but there's not, you know, a huge structure. Um, As a manager, I always 
let love to meet people where they're at. Um, and so kind of trying to get to know their, their management or how they like to be managed, their communication style, how they best work, et cetera. So like whenever someone new joins my team, I love to just kind of get all that information out. And then if there's something that specific that they like, then we can always add that, add that in as a section to the agenda to, to discuss. But yeah, for us, it's, it's pretty casual. We have our agenda doc and then we just add in anything that we need to do. But when I had a larger team before I had a team of five, that was a lot more uh, complex because, you know, each person had their own uh, one-on-one meeting. And then we had a team meeting each Monday. Um, And for those, that was kind of interesting because for the team meetings, like we started doing status updates and everyone was falling asleep during them. They were super boring. And so I was like, okay, like, let's make these fun. Let's just like check in on Monday, see how everyone is. And so we started playing this game where each person would lead the meeting. And then they would ask like one or two questions to the group that were fun. Like, what's your favorite pizza? And, but that was a really bad one, but they were just like fun, like silly questions to get to know each other better. And that actually, I got really good feedback on that from the team. And they really loved doing that each Monday and just kind of like, starting the week with like almost a smile and, you know, something silly with everyone on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Break up the monotony of having a whole bunch of uh, status check-ins on one call is particularly if you have multiple people on that call can get very tedious and in the weeds if you're not careful. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Kind of going back to what you said before about kind of the one-on-one structure um, and how you kind of have an agenda doc definitely recommend that for anyone who might be new to doing one-on-ones. Um, going back to a couple of years when he first started working with the social media manager, how did you kind of get to know him? I think you said it was a him specifically. And also kind of learn a little bit more about like, you know, what's going to be the most effective way to kind of be a manager and a leader. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, I read a couple books um, about management just to kind of see what, you know, what, 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 what other professionals have been doing a lot longer suggested. And the best piece of advice I got was to meet your team where they're at, which I believe is the best is like the number one for managing because each person's different. Each personality is different. Each style, each work style is different. Um, And so with that, I, whenever someone new joins the team, especially like, for example, the social media manager, whenever, when we started working together, I asked a ton of questions and the first like couple weeks, I just had so many questions for him to make sure I was really clear on like what he needed as an individual to be successful at the company. And then I also like opened the door up, you know, for him to ask me anything too, because I think like, even though it might seem kind of daunting to ask like a new manager or ask an employee at the beginning, like all these, you know, pointed questions. I think it's so, so valuable for laying that foundation, you know, really being clear about who that person is and, you know, what they see as being successful at the company, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, like my view on management is that you're not there to tell somebody what to do. You're there to be a guide at the company. You're there to help them be successful and you're there to support them. So I really try to embody all of those, uh, those, those items, you know, as I manage. Yeah. Love it. You mentioned you read a couple of books before you became a manager. What books were those and what were some of the key takeaways you got from them? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. I, I don't remember because it was like three years ago, but I'm sorry. I, I know I should have, I should have remembered the names, but, um, I can email you after. 
um, if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and then one of the things that kind of stood out to me um, is like, you're really, really good about like managing up and kind of communicating what you're working on and kind of like taking control over your career. Can you even talk a little bit like at a high level about kind of your view on like just the concept of managing up in general? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd say managing up kind of goes into two buckets in my mind. Like one is if you're a new employee and one is if you've been there for a while. So if you're a new employee and like you're trying to get to know your manager, I would definitely ask a ton of questions, kind of like what I just mentioned. Um, I think the more that you can get to know your manager and get to know, you know, what what um, appeals to them, you know, what what their pet peeves are, what success looks like to them. Um, and just really understanding as much as you can about them and the work environment is going to set you up for success. So I'd say, especially at the beginning, ask a ton of questions, like don't be afraid to just do it and it'll really benefit you long-term. And then I'd say the second bucket is, um, is when you've been there for a while. So like for me, I've been at job form for almost six years and I've had the same, the same manager the whole time. And so for us, you know, when, um, when managing up, I, I always ask for feedback, like even after being there for almost six years, like every time we have a one-on-one, every time we have a team check-in meeting, which is once a week, I always ask, is there anything else that you'd like to see from us? Do you have any feedback? And sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record, but I feel like constantly asking for feedback and, you know, asking that directly really puts you in a good spot because, you know, like worst case, like there's some feedback and then you just have to like fix it or improve on it. And then that clears it up. Whereas like, if you don't ask, sometimes you don't really know until you have a performance review or something. And then it comes out and it's like, oh shoot, like now there's nothing I can do about it. So that that's just what I've done over the years. Absolutely. Do you have recommendations for someone who maybe is a little bit hesitant or doesn't maybe, you know, is newer to a company to be able to solicit feedback that is kind of honest and constructive from the get-go? I'd say like if if um maybe someone is like a little bit more nervous, I, I think it's it's fine just to send maybe a message, like a Slack message or whatever chat system you use and just say to your manager, hey, um, you know, like really excited about being here. Um, I just wanted to see like what the best way to ask for feedback is from you. And I, I'd say just keeping it kind of like simple like that. And if you don't want to ask it, like face-to-face, I'd say just send a message and that's, that's, that's equally good. And I think it's a little bit less scary, but that's what I would do. I'd say, just try to push yourself to just ask because it's, it's always better to ask it than to not, and be wondering like where, where you're at with that person or your work. Absolutely. Would do you have an example of in a time where you kind of asked about feedback, got it, and then figured out a way to improve upon it that maybe you would not have even had the chance to do had you not actually been the one to take initiative and kind of manage up and get that feedback directly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a time that was, that's a good example. I'd say that um, there, there have been times when, you know, when I was a little bit a little bit more junior in my career where, so back when I, this is before job form, I was working at a nonprofit and I was responsible for writing the internal newsletter for the organization. And I remember like, I just like wanted to get it done. So I went really fast and it was like fine writing, but it wasn't like very good and very interesting. And then I didn't finish it. I just had like half of it done. And like, I wanted to ask my boss 
how it looked and if it was good. And I remember like taking it to him and he had this, like, we had to like print everything out and then they would like write on it in red pen to make edits, which is really funny. Um, and so I took it to him and he was like, he's like, why isn't this completed? Why are you bringing me like an unfinished product? And I remember just being like, oh, whoops. <laughs> and, and then at that point I realized like, oh, okay. Like it's probably always better to like have something complete to share to a manager than to have something that's half done. <laughs> and, and um, that's coming off of like him and I having a feedback conversation and like having a really like transparent relationship and then him providing feedback to me. Um, so that was, that was really interesting. And that, that I still think about that to this day. Um, and anytime I do something, it's always at least like mostly done before I share it with somebody else. Absolutely. And shifting gears a little bit, do you have any tips or things that you like to do to kind of streamline your workflows? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a huge fan of automation and also using SaaS tools. So my favorites are Asana and Notion for project management. And then of course, shamelessly Jotform <laughs> um, for any type of request forms or events, et cetera. So yeah, I'd say, um, you know, being productive is, you know, it's hard, I think. And um, I think just, you know, whatever works best for you, like some people love to do lists, some people love to automate everything, but I think whatever helps you get things done in the most efficient ways is totally fine. Uh, but I personally do love my, my tools um, to stay organized. Yeah. What is your general approach to kind of productivity, the to-do list, um, like, you know, three things that you do every day, like scheduling, time blocking, a little bit of everything? Like, how do you keep yourself productive? Yeah, I love that question. So for me, I, I, do, I love doing calendar blocks. Um, so I'll block off if there's something that I need to get down, I'll block like, okay, I need to pitch these people today or whatever. Um, so that's always helpful. I also try to follow that, um, the, the, the saying eat your frog. So it's like doing the hardest thing first. I absolutely love that because if I don't, I feel like it's kind of looming over me the whole day. And then when I get the most, the hardest thing done at the beginning of the day, then the rest of the day is like, oh, yay, that hard thing is done. The rest of this is, is fun. <laughs> um, so those two are the, 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 the two productivity pieces of advice that I'd have. I love that. And I know you guys have kind of like, and I know your founders kind of like launched a book and I believe you probably were tied into that as the brand um, as kind of the head of brand marketing. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So our CEO, Ida Kintonk, he released a book called Automate Your Busy Work a month or two ago. And uh, it's it's great. It's a book all about automation, you know, how to be more efficient with your workflows. And yeah, it's it's really great. Like if you're you know, it, it's, if you're a small business, if you're freelance, if you're just interested in, in automation and in, in tech tools, um, I'd highly recommend it. Um, it's very, very educational and, um, you know, a really a nice read if you're interested in that. Yeah. What is kind of the key theme of the book? You know, it is to automate your busy work to kind of have more time for the big stuff. So it's kind of the main theme is to use certain tools and to kind of get your workflow so streamlined that you don't have to worry about really any busy work and you can focus on the big, you know, the big tasks in your life, the big problems and solving those instead of like 
you know, doing data entry or, um, you know, doing things by hand. Absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings up a secondary question, which is when you start to streamline and get rid of a lot of the busy work and a lot of the automation, it can be really easy to kind of fall into the trap of just trying to focus on, okay, just the next thing and end up creating more busy work instead of kind of doing the hard work of prioritizing what's going to have the biggest impact. Would you, first of all, agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with it, but I think that if you are using automation tools and I think that's also just life, right? I think like anytime you do something, like there's going to be something else that comes up, there's going to be another building block to help you get to that, that you want to do to get to the next level. And I think it's just about like knowing that that's going to happen. And then knowing that you're probably going to have to alter your workflow to, to streamline it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you, how do you approach prioritizing and figuring out what is the most important thing or kind of the one thing that needs to get done, whether that's in a given week, a given month, or a given quarter, so that you know that you're kind of focusing on the big things as opposed to kind of uh, focusing on things that might be a little bit like, you know, that might still be important, but not necessarily going to move the needle as much as those kind of bigger initiatives. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. I I mean, I guess like in terms of job form and working here, since I've been here for so long, it's, this isn't a good answer, but it's, it's kind of like, I just kind of know, right. <laughs> um, usually it has to do with the projects that the whole company is prioritizing. So like, usually when we launch something, it's like everyone's launching it and that's what, that's what our sole focus is. So job form actually makes it really easy for us to prioritize because we all kind of do it, all do it together, but I'd say it definitely, it's easy to get sucked into doing the smaller things because you can usually knock them out way faster. Like it's way easier to, you know, post to social or to, um, you know, write like a blog or, you know, write some ad copy than it is to do research on, you know, the market for a new product that we're launching and figure out how the brand is going to fit into that, et cetera. So, and, and I think also too, if you don't know, then you can ask, like if you have so many things and it's just too much and you're not really sure, you can always ask your manager. You can always, you know, um, check in with them and see what they want you to prioritize if you don't know yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you guys use any sort of goal setting frameworks like OKRs or KPIs or something like that? Uh, kind of. We, we, we do use um, KPIs, um, but this year, since the brand team is so new, our, our goal is like a little bit looser just because we don't, we didn't really know how it was going to go, but we are a little bit more, we're casual with our goals, I'd say. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. When you're thinking about like, you know, a new, you mentioned kind of like, you know, launching a new product or launching a new feature. How do you, can you walk me through a little bit about kind of your mindset and how you go about researching the market, doing customer research and figuring out, you know, you know, how to kind of like make that, you know, go from like that idea to something that is actually like fully marketed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for our product launches, we have tons of people involved in them. I mean, it's probably like a hundred people working on these at a time, maybe more. So for us, what we do is we have a, a go-to-market sheet um, and within there, there's um, different projects and different people that they're assigned to. So um, thankfully for JotForm, we have a really robust team. So we have individuals, you know, who will do the user research 
uh, research and then provide that to us in a doc. We have some, you know, product people who will work on the positioning and creative marketing brief. Um, so that's nice. So a lot of times it's us reading what has been created by other teammates, but then when it comes to the brand side, so we're trying to find like our goal always is to find high impact opportunities that will get us the most brand impressions as possible. Cause our North star metric is brand impressions. And so for us, like once we know what, what the launch is going to be, we like read through some of the docs, then we hit the internet and we like scour it for opportunities that are going to make sense for us. And sometimes like the smaller opportunities deliver really, really high impact compared to larger ones that, you know, cost $20,000. And so for us, it's doing a lot of research into the types of creators in the market, the types of newsletters, podcasts, ads, the types of blogs, any type of paid opportunity that that falls into this audience and this launch, like we're on it. And it's it's a ton of research um, to make sure that the opportunity makes sense. And then once it makes sense and you add it to the, the list, then there's a whole nother level of like figuring out if it's going to fit to the budget, if they have availability for when you want to do it, um, you know, providing all of the creative assets, the UTMs. So it's a lot of um, coordination after that like list building and pitching is done um and then also like tracking the numbers after that so it's i feel like we have to be very organized <laughs> for it to work out for us <laughs> yeah absolutely um you said something really interesting there which is that oftentimes kind of partnering or doing kind of the smaller opportunities often netted bigger results yes that's really interesting can you elaborate a little bit more on that Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what, you know, since kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with there being so much noise, et cetera, I think that people will interact and click on things within newsletters from the people that they like and trust. And sometimes that person can have an audience of like 5,000 subscribers, but if everyone is really into their content and they trust this person, then they're going to click on the ads. And that's what we found. So I think it's just trying as best as you can, because not all advertisers will, will share this info, but like just trying to figure out like how engaged the audience is. And if you can find a small creator with a really engaged audience, you're going to get really high impact. Like it's amazing, but it is not the easiest to find. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How do you go about kind of finding these creators? Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of research. Like we've, we, we start on Google and then usually at least for me, I go down like many rabbit holes, like sometimes on Twitter, sometimes on LinkedIn, sometimes just like on uh, Substack. like it, it just depends. Like, um, but I think it's also like, once you think you, you might've found one, it's asking them the right questions. It's asking like, you know, them to provide as many numbers on the newsletter as they can, like what a successful campaign looks like to them you know, how many clicks they usually get, like from their content to their ads, like what that looks like. So it's also just like, like questioning them a lot too, and making sure that what they're saying makes sense for what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Do you almost always work with creators who have done a lot of like kind of brand collapse in the past, or have you also worked with collaborators or creators that are smaller that haven't done any of that at all? Yeah. I mean, kind of both. Um, yeah, I'd say that, yeah, we, we target both. There was one that I'm thinking of from our last campaign who he, his newsletter was pretty, it was maybe like 
five, 5,000 ish subscribers. And he didn't always work with brands that much. And it was kind of cool. Cause like we hopped on a call and he was like, yeah, so what do you guys want to do? <laughs> um, and we, so we just kind of like figured, figured it out together, but that campaign in his newsletter got a ton of traffic back to our site. And that's, that's kind of like an example of what I'm talking about too. And just that he did not usually work with other brands and he had a really engaged audience. So that was awesome to see. Yeah, totally. I can try to talk about this for a while, but I also want to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, And I always like to ask some lightning round questions at the very end. Sure. If you could have dinner with any celebrity, who would you choose and why? No. Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, <laughs> okay, I would go, I would go Margot Robbie, um, mostly because of the new Barbie movie. <laughs> and um, I just think she's awesome. And I would love to just hear about her life and get to know her and ask her about like what it was like to film the Barbie movie. <laughs> awesome. And if you had to write a book tomorrow on any topic that you could choose, what would you write it about? Hmm, I would probably write it about social media and what it takes to become um, a successful creator on there. Because that, that's really been interesting to me lately because um, there's so much noise and I, I feel like the algorithms aren't really fair. Like sometimes there's really good content that doesn't get shown. Um, and so I'd love to just like do a lot of research into that and figure out what, like what the recipe is, if there is one, or if it's really all luck or whatever, I'd I'd love to do that. That'd be really interesting to me. I love to hear that. And it's been amazing chatting with you on the remote work tribe podcast, Annabelle, where can the listeners find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, it's just Annabelle Ma and yeah, also same name on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Jessica. It was great. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.